Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Australian basketball from a scholarship with the AIS as a teenager. She debuted for the Opals at just 16 years of age. Her star-studded career was launched with myriad accolades and honours earned all over the world. Seven-time All-Star and three-time WNBA MVP became the first Australian player elected to the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. Our trailblazer today is Lauren Jackson. Lauren Jackson, welcome to Trailblazers. How are you? Oh, I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's been a little while since we've talked. And first up, congratulations on your recent induction to the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. That is huge. Has it sunk in yet? Oh, man, thank you. Um, No, it hasn't sunk in. I don't think it will for a while. I think the, you know, enormity of it um, hasn't really hit me yet, but it is so special and you know, the more I do think about it, the more I'm just, you know, completely overwhelmed with my career. It just doesn't feel real, you know. <laughs> well, you've had so many awards and accolades throughout your like your Wikipedia page just goes forever with with all the the things that you achieve. But you're the first Australian player to be recognised in this manner for this Hall of Fame. Where does this one sit amongst all your achievements? Oh, I mean, this, you know, it'd have to be um, up the top there. Yeah, it's, it's very special and it's just such an honour, you know, to, to be in this Hall of Fame. And I think, you know, for a long time, I, I had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to be there. And, you know, of course, any athlete that competes at the level that I do want to, you know, be able to, mm. well, want to get that sort of recognition. Um, but I never, you know, I just had it in the back of my mind, you know, there's no other Aussie athletes in there, you know, it. Like, it might not happen for me. And um, so, you know, for me, becoming a finalist, it was a real honour. And then, yeah, when I finally got the phone call, I, I was really overwhelmed and just really, you know, really happy. Well, you actually, had you just finished a game uh, yourself? You, you were playing mixed, weren't you? And, uh, that's when you got the call, <laughs> yeah. is that right? Yeah, it's very true. Yep, I'd been playing mixed basketball on Wednesday night. So, um, and it's a whole lot of fun. You know, my throughout my whole career, I'd always say I just can't wait until I'm playing social basketball back at Albury. <laughs> and um, you know, so I'm finally back playing social basketball. And yeah, I got the I got the call right after the game. And yeah, I was I have to say I was pretty overwhelmed. Oh, that's just huge. Um, any chance, fingers crossed, that you might get to the enshrinement ceremony? I think it's actually in Connecticut. Um, in September, I don't know. I, it's one of those things where I haven't been vaccinated. Um, you know, my kids haven't. 
quarantine with the kids, whether or not we can actually get out of the country on a flight is another thing as the borders are, the, the borders are still shut. Mm. So um, I'm not banking on being able to go over there. Um, and it, it could very well just be too hard with the kids, even if, you know, for some reason I could get over there. I just, I can't sort of not be with my children. So yeah, no, yeah it'll be, it'll be interesting. Yeah. And uh, we can hear one of your gorgeous children in the background at home with you today. What's it? What's life yeah. like these days? Has being a mum changed you? Oh, it's completely changed me. It's yeah, being a mum. I think is everything that I longed for without really knowing I was longing for it. Um, for so long in my career, I, I felt like well, when I was playing, I felt like I was always missing something, you know. And since the, the very first moment I saw my first child, Harry, I've I've never ever once felt that ever again. Which is it's so. It, it's hard to articulate that feeling, but um, truly that emptiness sometimes overwhelmed me and was something that I really struggled with throughout my career. And um, I've never, ever once had it since I first saw my son. So, yeah, it's a busy life, but it's a good one. Oh, that's just beautiful. How do you think that you'll one day describe your career to your kids? Uh, you know, How do you tell them that mum's a pretty big deal? <laughs> oh, look... <laughs> Harry, um, so my eldest son, he's four. He he sort of knows, like he, you know, when it, whenever I go anywhere with basketball, he, you know, he's like, Mum, why are they taking pictures? Why are you signing autographs? You know, and he sees pictures of me and like murals and things like that, uh, just in random places too. And so he he gets it a little bit, and then he, you know, he watches me. Um, he actually comes and cheers for me on a Wednesday night Aww. at um, mixed basketball, which is gorgeous. Still thinks that I'm great. I can't move. I cannot run. I can't jump or anything. But he still thinks I'm fantastic. Um, but yeah, look, I sometimes show him some YouTube stuff, and he's like, "Oh, I want to play." So he's in Aussie hoops now, which is really cool. And Lenny, my my youngest, I reckon he's going to be about seven foot three. He's huge. Oh wow! Um, and he's already, you know, shooting hoops, and yeah, he loves it. Oh, that's so awesome. Well, your mum was your first coach, wasn't she? Is that something you see yourself doing? <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know what it's really if I do coach I reckon I'll be coaching my kids so I'll be back in the boys which will be funny I'll be coaching um, young boys which is something that I can say I never thought I would actually be doing but um, I have every intention of um, coaching them through juniors if, if they decide to play juniors so yeah I, I'd love to I just love to sort of give back to them and I guess just be there with them you know through it all it's so much fun and mum was just such an instrumental part of my career I want to make sure that I'm that for my kids too if that's what they want to do it'll be the same for anything no matter what they want to do yep yeah absolutely what's it like for you playing these days you you said you can't move but you are such a fierce competitor how different is the mentality (laughs) oh look I am still a fierce competitor but the thing is I love the game so much and I as soon as I step foot on the court I start smiling you know and I just enjoy it so much. I love playing the game, even though I can't really play that well anymore. Um, I stand at the three-point line. I'm, you know, I've still got my shot, which is good. Um, but And I do talk a lot of trash. Like, I still have, like, that white line fever. I get on the court and I just don't shut up. And I'm sure that people are like, oh, my God, you're supposed to be a role model. You're supposed to be this. You're supposed to be that. But I just cannot help myself. I am so competitive. Um, and most of the time I'm like swearing at myself for missing a shot, you know, but I'm <laughs> sure it comes across as I'm grumpy at everybody else, but I'm not. So. Oh, that's outstanding. Uh, how is the body holding up these days? Are you a bit kinder to it? You're pretty brutal on like knees, ankles, back, Achilles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everything, right? And my hips. Um, 
Look, my knee, my knees are pretty sore. So I had my 40th birthday party like two weeks ago with all the old Capitals girls, like oh. all my old teammates, friends, Graffy, you know. And, uh, you know, we ended up dancing. So at like 10 o'clock at night, we're dancing to all this music. Um, <laughs> on Sunday, I could not walk. My knees were aching so badly. that, And it took me a week to recover. Like I couldn't even play last week. So the, the old knees are definitely um, very worn out. Um, but, you know, like I don't play that much anymore and it is just fun. And you've you got to do what you can while you enjoy it, you know. So that's my sort of philosophy on it. Seriously, Loz, are you telling me you can't party all night anymore? Uh, we went to 1.30 um, <laughs> and, and I was out of commission for a week. So there's ain't no, I ain't doing it no more. That's it. It was my 40th. It was a big one. And it was home. I was so lucky because I was at home. So my kids were asleep. Um, I had them down by sort of eight o'clock and they nice. slept right through it, which was fantastic. And yeah, it was brilliant. It, it, yeah, but no more, never again. <laughs> yeah, till, till the next one. <laughs> so no. ha- happy birthday, incidentally. <laughs> that's, ah, that's thank you. Yeah. It must have been nice to, to catch up with everyone. How hard was that to adjust to a retirement life, a, a post-athlete life? We used to see all these people all the time. Was that difficult? Oh, Look, I have to say I'm a much more well-rounded person, I think, post-basketball. I think I've just got so much in my life that, you know, that, you know, I've got work, I've got my kids, I've got my family and the things that I was really missing out on as an athlete. Um, and I think the things that give me true happiness are what I have in abundance now. So it wasn't too bad. I got to, I had to upskill really fast and try and figure out, you know, administration and, you know, which way my career was going to take me post-basketball. Um, and it at right now, and I hate to say this right now, it's like, I feel I'm really lucky. I'm in a great situation. I'm, I'm in a great situation where I'm working from home. I'm able to look after my children and yeah, and I'm still running the WNBL, which is just the day-to-day running of the WNBL, which is my dream, you know? Mm. You sound super content with life. Uh, when you look back on your playing career, can you just give that a big tick? You achieved everything you hoped for? Yeah, I... Look, I mean, a lot of people have sort of said to me, you know, you missed out on the gold medal at the Olympics. And I'm kind of like, yeah, and then it eat you up. No, no, it doesn't. Like, I feel like for me, looking back on my career, I feel like I was really lucky and really fortunate to, you know, be in a situation where I could play on some of the best teams in the world, um, play with some of the best athletes in the world. You know, I traveled, I got paid doing what I loved. Um and I, I got to a point, like, if I wasn't injured, maybe I could have been better. Maybe I would have had, you know, a better CV, basketball CV. But I honestly, I think everything happens for a reason. And, you know, I, I had a great career and here I am now. And I, looking back on it, I wouldn't change a thing, you know. You're listening to Trailblazers with Stephanie Brands. As a teenager, uh, what what's that like? Uh, I mean, I went, I got to six foot, and I felt hugely tall. What was that like for you <laughs> as a young girl? Oh, look, I my parents were very tall, and coming from Albury, um, mum, you know, mum played for Australia, um, so she was pretty well known around here. And my dad played; he moved from Sydney to marry my mum, mm. and he was also an Australian athlete too. So. 
I always felt like I belonged in the sense that everybody knew who my parents were. So I was just the kid of, you know, the tall basketball players. So, um, you know, I think it was, it was harder at school because nobody really knew who I was at school and I got teased, you know, and I think that was the biggest thing was just being a really gangly, gawky student. Um, that was hard, but the minute I left Albury and went to AIS, I was around athletes all the time and I felt like I belonged. And, I, you know, at school in Albury, I never felt like I belonged. And, you know, hopefully my kids went, well, I've got two boys, you know. Mm. Tall boys are treated a little differently than tall girls. Um, but it's, look, I, I really, as soon as I was around athletes and in that environment where um, I was, you know, able to be, recognized for being an athlete and stuff I you know it sort of changed my whole life and that was when I was 15 so Mm. yeah I was lucky that I you know sort of got to that environment pretty pretty quickly yeah and I think when you're in that uh, that mix of people I still remember it was years ago now at a Canberra Caps uh, awards night and I was hosting wearing probably three or four inch heels I was standing between you and Mariana Tolo I've never felt so short in my life. It was fantastic. <laughs> and we were probably wearing high heels as well, no doubt. Oh, yes. As you mentioned, your background and with basketballing parents and successful ones, very successful ones at that. Uh, was there any question of you doing anything else? Because you did a bit of athletics, tennis. I think I remember you saying you played netball at one point. I did, yeah. No, I'd been picked on representative teams for a bunch of other sports, but then mum and dad made me stop playing school sport because um, – because I was struggling at school, you know, and my mm. grades were really down. So they they would only let me play representative basketball, you know, of a weekend and stuff, but I wasn't allowed to play school sports. So I think that might have, you know, contributed to some of my problems at school too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did. I played a lot of sport. My brother, you know, he's six foot eight or six foot nine and he has never like had the inkling to play basketball. He's had no desire whatsoever. Like, well, he plays socially now, believe it or not, in Junee. <laughs> and um, yeah, he loved trains and mum and dad supported him to, you know, go and do what he loves in on the railway lines. Like right from, you know, he was a signalman straight out of school and, you know, now he's like really high up in the education part of it all. So he's they've really supported what we've wanted to do. And to be honest, I never wanted to be anything but a basketball player. I never saw myself as anything but a basketball player. Mm, well, you nailed that. <laughs> yeah, I was lucky. <laughs> well, of course, you moved to the AIS, uh, won a scholarship at, at 16. What was that like? Because that was a really good pathway back at that time, wasn't it? Yeah. And I mean, look, it still is. To, it's a COE now. It's a it's the same you know they're at the AIS in Canberra and everything it's it's sort of changed a little bit now how the structure of it works um but you know it's still the sort of top 10 or 12 kids go there uh, around 15 or 16 and they train and at that point in time we were able to play in the WNBL Mm. um so and you know to this day I still think that um that sort of gave us a little bit of an edge. You know, it, it helped um, the youngsters sort of get ready for women's competition and, you know, take that next step into the national team and do those things. Mm. Um, so, you know, that was it was a great pathway for me. And, I mean, I was in the Australian team uh, that, that year, actually, that I left home, um, 16. That was my first tour with the Australian national team. And, uh, yeah, from there I really didn't look back. Mm, not at all. Uh, under 20s at 14 years of age, senior team debut, as you said, at 16. Now, I've spoken to the likes of uh, Rachel Spawn, uh, Carrie Graff and, and some others who say that 
even at that age, you were never daunted by the big occasion. Do you even remember how that felt or were you just on a court? Oh, yeah, I remember how I felt and I was. They might, I think it was just how I responded. Um, I was totally um, scared. You know, as a youngster, everything big, I was I was frightened. Like I was literally shitting myself and I'm sorry about swearing, <laughs> but I was. I mean, every single tournament, every training camp, everything, you know, I would cry uh, when I had to left, leave home. Um, my poor parents, you know, they had to sort of, I guess, walk me through everything and um, nobody, yeah, everyone sort of said she wasn't daunted. Yeah, daunted. Yeah, I was. I was really daunted um, and I had to just deal with it. I had to suck it up and, and move on and I think, you know, over the years it's been documented that I did suffer a little bit of anxiety and stuff um, but this was it. Like, that was it. The anxiety that I felt, I just learned how to deal with it and move mm. through it, you know. Um, I couldn't not go and do something because I was feeling a certain way. I had to sort of just push through it, and that's what I did. Mm. And you were surrounded by people substantially older than you, of course. Did you feel like you had to grow up pretty quickly, or were they more mothering? Um, when I got to the Australian team, they were more mothering, for sure. Like Raish, uh, Sandy Mondello, Shelley Gorman, they were like big sisters and mother figures. They really were. Like they tried their best to make sure that I was included and I was okay and you know, Marion Stewart, who was our manager, she was just absolutely beautiful and so supportive. Um, but I think in junior, like in the junior Australian team, it was a little bit different. You know, I think it's the attitudes are a little bit different and kids aren't as mature, obviously, as those senior ones are. So it was a little bit harder when I was that young in the under-20 team. Um, but again, by the time I was 16, 17, um, I'd made the national team and I was sort of you know, on a different path. And I guess I just sort of went with it um, by that stage. You just, yeah, you just got to move through it, you know. You managed to have a fair bit of fun along the way, though. Uh, I, I recall some <laughs> um, urban myths about uh, fantastic nights out. Was that a, a halcyon period in your life or was it like being on this fast-beating train? <laughs> it was like, yeah, the, it was like the train for sure. <laughs> um, you know, when you're young, you just live life, don't you? You don't really think about the consequences. You just sort of... And for me, I was just training and playing and, and, you know, it was fun. And then, you know, spending nights with my friends and, yeah, like we'd party. We did a lot of that stuff, especially in my early 20s. And, I mean, it wasn't really until I um, I stopped playing in Russia. So Russia was sort of when I, I hit my, I guess, the hardest period of my career and that's when I decided to go back to university and just really get my life back together I thought no you know it's time now for me to start to focus up and I guess not be so ignorant you know just figure out you know where I want to be after sport and and what really matters to me as a person not as an athlete sport dominated so much of your the early period of your well so much of your life in general uh, you developed also some spectacular rivalries I mean the one with Lisa Leslie comes to mind did she ever forgive you for pulling off her hair extensions at the Olympics uh, I did not mean to do that and I have to defend myself I have to defend myself about that every single time um no I don't think she ever forgave me but you know to be fair like I wouldn't have forgiven her either so um <laughs> did you you, you know, didn't ever I, become mates did you no we didn't we had some nice words I think when she was just I think she, I played my last game against her and she was about to retire or mm. I can't remember it was in Seattle and I just said to her you know if we didn't have the rivalry or if we had have been on the same team or I'm sure we would have been good mates you know and she was like yeah no I think we would have too because I 
I think we both got to a stage um, like later in my career, I think, where we were able to sort of talk about it and I guess not really talk about it, but just sort of reconcile that, you know, neither of us are bad people and yeah. <laughs> we were, you know, like she's, and still to this day, I mean, as a 16 year old, I idolized her and she was someone that I really looked up to. And I still do look up to her. You know, I see what she's doing over in America now and the impact that she's having on the WNBA still, um, like in this 25th season. And she's and I'm sitting on a committee with her over there at the moment. And, um, yeah, I just really, you know, she's an idol of mine. So, yeah, it's cool. Oh, brilliant. Um, 2000 Olympics, I think the last time I spoke to you was on that uh, 20-year anniversary. Those Olympics at home, you were so young. Do you remember much about that or how significant that, that tournament was? Nah, I I remember taking it just, I wasn't nervous because I was at home, so I didn't have to fly anywhere. It was really easy just walking into the, um, walking into Sydney 2000 Olympic Park um, and Homebush and just feeling like I was home. My dad grew up in Bankstown, so um, I'd spent quite a lot of time around there. And in fact, I think my dad even worked on the um, park. He was uh, in waterproofing concrete at the time and he was he'd actually take me to Sydney Olympic Park when they were working on the construction of it and um you know like I just remember walking in there when it was being built thinking oh my god I'm going to be here you know like Mm. it's so special and um so it felt like I was home you know my grandparents came and watched me my aunties and uncles and it was just yeah it was incredible but I mean to this day I think looking back on it um being a 19 year old at that age and being able to play the way that I did Mm. at an Olympic Games is you know looking back on it now I'm like oh my god you know that's incredible and I didn't really I wouldn't have said that a year ago you know well an Olympic dream is uh, something that a lot of athletes never actually realize you would compete at four Olympic Games did you have a favorite Oh, I think I think Sydney was definitely my favourite and then I think London was my second favourite and London would have been my second favourite because we didn't end on a loss. Like we won the bronze medal mm. and it felt like we'd won the gold medal. <laughs> like mm. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was um, Yeah, we had to fight for it and we didn't finish, you know, um, losing to the Americans. We finished on a win. So that was really special and, um, yeah, I mean, I... I don't know. I, I guess when you're in it, you really don't think about it too much. But looking back on it, I really enjoyed London. It was a great experience. And, um, yeah, it was it was fun. Mm. Well, the the World Cup success that you had with, with the Opals was extraordinary. I remember 06, uh, Brazil, and you guys had uh, won gold at the Com Games. Where does that stand? Sort of in, in the realms of uh, international basketball for the Australian women, that was a special team, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a really special team. It was a special moment, you know. Um, looking again, looking back on it, looking back on everything, um, that was one of the defining moments I think for our national team and just how dominant um, we were, except for you know the Americans who were just the ultimate um, in domination. But um, we, you know, we had a great team. We had great athletes, and we were always you know batting um, above above the average. You know, we were always going out there and I guess giving it our very best and even with the population of Australia we were able to compete and fight and um, yeah, consistently be at the top. Mm. Well the Olympics this year of course will look very different indeed. How empathetic do you feel for these players who 
uh, if you were still in that space, would the postponement and the uncertainty with all the border closures and the COVID pandemic, would that affect you? Um, I don't know. I Honestly, I couldn't tell you because I haven't been in that situation. Um, I think, you know, because I would have been playing in the WNBA as well, like it would have just sort of been business as usual, except, mm. you know, it, it was difficult for me because every year um, most most of my Olympic experience, I'd, I'd play in the WNBA and then break for two weeks and then go over to, or four weeks and go over to the Olympics. And that, um, it just became routine. So I feel like it would have just been sort of similar to that in the sense I'd be doing exactly the same thing. Um, however, I think uh, probably underestimating how much, you know, mental capacity, you know, mental, um, uh, I guess, just training and like, working on that side of the game like when you're preparing for a big event you're thinking about it constantly you're dreaming about it and then all of a sudden it's been called off and postponed for a year yeah I probably would have really struggled you're listening to trailblazers with Stephanie Brands move overseas was inevitable and as a kid from country New South Wales how would you describe the experience of moving to the other side of the world? Oh look I was really young and I really struggled with it initially so Seattle um, that was my first sort of big gig overseas and being drafted into the WNBA at 19 I think I was. And look can you hear my little Lenny talking to you? you And so mum and dad really, yeah, look, there was so many times that they had to sort of pack everything up and come and sort of help me through everything. Um, But yeah, that first year was a real, real struggle. Like I didn't know what to expect. I'd never been around that level of professionalism. Um, The competition night in, night out, I had, I really had to, I guess, dig deep to stick with it, you know, um, for a long time when I was young, I was living in, in the bubble in Canberra and I never wanted to leave Canberra, you know. I wanted to stay there and play my whole career. Um, but, yeah, I, obviously it comes that point where you have to go over there. And, and yeah, I, I had to just bite the, bite the bullet and do it. Mm. Uh, how did the WNBL comp- compare as far as style and standard? I mean, the WNBL for me, I think, has always been... Uh, in the terms of women's sports, been really successful. It's always been televised to some extent and it's always had a, a healthy following and, and a good pathway for players. But did it stack up against the WNBA? Oh, for sure. I think um, the WNBL is very physical. And I mean, even to this day, it is a super physical league, probably more so than the NBL in some respects. I think the way the game's called, it's very different. So I think in terms of that, playing against grown women um, in, a, in a very physical league definitely um, it gave, gave me a little bit of a foundation heading over to the WNBA. But I, I guess the level of athleticism and the way the game's a lot quicker over in America, especially when I was, you know, coming through early on. Um, so that was probably, you know, the biggest thing. And the athletes were all big, you know, they're all my size. And so... You know, there wasn't a team that I played against with shorter centers. So, you know, and they were just as strong and, and just as athletic. So it sort of became um, doing that night in, night out obviously helped me a lot um, and helped me sort of grow into the player that I was. Yeah, and then and then when I came back to Australia, obviously I, I came back a different player. I think, you know, I just became more dominant and 
Um, but that was because of the game and the what I was learning over in the States. Mm. Do you think that's still an important pathway or the most perhaps important pathway for players now? I mean, we're seeing uh, Shyla Heal heading over from mm-hmm. the WNBL to, to America. Is that still the place to be? Oh, of course. I think for any athlete that is, you know, that can play over in the WNBA, that gets drafted, that can get on a roster, they should be over there. I think that's the, the best league in the world. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, if you can be the best player in the WNBA, you can be the best player in the world. There's no doubt about it. And um, that, that to me was, I think even watching, you know, Ezzy McBegger, sorry. Um, she played her first season over in the WNBA last year, came back, played in the WNBL, and you could just tell straight away the difference in her game. Um, playing with Sue and Brianna Stewart and some of those players just gave her, I, I guess she just, I, maybe it's, what, I don't even know what it was, but the way she was finishing, the way she was posting up down low, um, it just changes their game. It just makes them, you know, um, play the game a little bit differently, a little bit more confidently. And, um, you know, I expect to see those improvements again this year with her, but it's, it's the best league in the world, no doubt. It didn't uh, hold you back from having experiences in other parts of the globe. Korea in uh, 2007, a team with a language barrier as well. How was that? <laughs> South Korea was so much fun. I think that actually might have been my my best experience um, outside of America and Australia. I, I had the time of my life. Um, I had friends in other teams. That, and because I think Seoul and South Korea is so small, like we'd all meet up and go into East Taiwan um, after every game and eat and, you know, go and have a dance and just really enjoy ourselves. And um, I was playing great basketball. I had just great friends over there. Some friends that I'd met in Seattle who were playing over in the South Korean Men's League, um, which, you know, they're still some of my best friends. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I just had the time of my life, you know. we, it, Like I said, I just loved playing over there. I think I had 56 points in one game and, yep. yeah, it was cool. <laughs> so <laughs> Loved it. So to uh, transfer that to yet another continent, Russia, how did that experience mm-hmm. compare? Well, Russia, I, I'd met up with Shabtai, the owner of uh, Russia, in 2003. So I'd actually played over there in 2003 for a month. He'd flown me over there just to play in like three games for a ridiculous amount of money. And, I mean, I really didn't even play. I played probably six minutes a game. <laughs> so anyway, I knew the time was going to come where he'd want me to go over there and play for a season. And... Um, I'd been playing in South Korea and I got a call from him saying, I want you to come over for another month's stint and then I want you to sign a contract here, you know, next year. I was like, all right, okay. So I went over there and, um, yeah, look, that's sort of where I earned the most money in my career. There's no doubt about it. And, it's again, it's well documented. Um, And, you know, I played on a great team with, you know, some of my best friends at the time and, um but, yeah, it just got lost and totally, you know, you're in a totally different world. Mm. You know, we were flying on private jets everywhere, shopping in, like, the most amazing um, department stores in Europe. And we just really treated us like uh, like we were kids, you know. And um, But, yeah, it came, with its, it came with its, you know, price, that's for sure. Well, and also... At that stage, you're so instantly recognisable uh, and be, being your height, it's difficult not to notice you anyway, but then you're famous as well. What does that do to like a private life? 
Do you get one? Oh, I didn't really have one. I just, I was so caught up just in the basketball um, space, you know, like we'd, we'd play basketball, we'd go out and then we'd go to training and it was just, that's all it was. Like we'd play sport, um, you know, go out after the games and then, you know, have the day off after the game and then we'd be back in the gym. So Mm. It just got to the point, you know, for me where I couldn't do it anymore. Like I had to have something else in my life that was going to sustain me or because I just, it was too much, you know, I was tired. My body was starting to get run down by this point. Um, and yeah, I was just in this basketball bubble, like all mm. over the world. And you, you're with the same people all the time. Like I was with the same people playing in Europe, playing in the WNBA, playing against them with the national team. So you never get away from it. It's just very insular sort of thing and you know as much as I loved it and I cherished it for what it did for me as a person and as an athlete it got to a point where I had to sort of move through it and I guess become a person away from it you know. And in uh, in Russia you also faced uh, other challenges the the assassination of the owner that's a shocking uh, occurrence how did that affect you at the time? Oh look I before this happened so I was actually back in Albury um I'd fractured my back I broke my back actually in America and I came back to rehab and I was at my uncle's house in Albury and he knew I was miserable and he just said to me how do we get you out of you know how do we get you out of Russia how do we and I said well either and I hate and I you know it haunts me to this day that I said this I was like either I don't even want to say it but the last thing I said was Shabtai's assassinated. So we kind of knew there was something going down uh, the year before, so in the early part of that year, because he sort of put like a detail on us when we were going shopping, when we were anytime we were out of the house, just eating, whatever we were doing, there was mm. security detail on us. And we didn't know who this guy was for a period of time and then asked him and he was like, no, it's just a security detail. And there was just some weird things happening and um, I, yeah, look, it's it was all a little bit funny and a bit fuzzy too for me, like looking back, it was so long ago now. But um, look, his kids are still my friends to this day and I still communicate with them, you know, and as much as Shabtai, like it was a very polarising time for me as was our relationship. Um, I did, I did love him and yeah, it's, very hard to sort of look back on it. Sorry. No, I completely understand. Um, and it's almost like it's another lifetime and a, another existence, isn't it? And, and the yeah, that, that whole experience. And uh, I guess when you talk about, you know, being flown around in private jets and, and the, yeah. the high-end shopping malls and it's, you know, it's the stuff dreams are made of really in, in some aspects. Uh, what's the craziest yeah. thing that you've ever got to do by virtue of, of being a famous sports person? Well, I don't know. I think it was things like, you know, flying over to Europe first class, you know, and my mum and I'd be sitting up there eating olives and drinking champagne. In <laughs> nowhere in the real world does that happen. You know, it was the always travelling first class and, you know, just living beautifully. It was that stuff that, that's the crazy stuff now because now if I was to fly business class with my kids, it would cost upwards of a hundred grand. For me and my family, it can't do it. There's no way. But it's, the I guess just the life that I was living and I didn't really have any appreciation because I didn't know anything different you know um but now looking back on it I just think wow how lucky was I to have such a like great career I was so privileged in my career and you know I 
I really am fortunate that I'm here um, in such a great space and, you know, more resilient than ever, having dealt with everything that I've been through. And um, to come out on the other side being in Aubrey and as happy as ever. Like, I just, I don't know, I just feel really lucky. You're listening to Trailblazers with Stephanie Brands. as you made your way around the world as well. Were you always a keen student after school? No, I wasn't even. I failed year 12. Yeah, no, I like I didn't even finish high school. You know, I really struggled at school um, just being in that environment. And I found later that it, I'm actually much better at working on my own and like working remotely. So if I can just take my time to read through things and, you know, get through all the content and, do it all in my time I'm actually a much better student so I managed to actually get my undergraduate degree um, in what was it in gender and diversity I was just looking at my certificate Um, (laughs) random um, in gender and diversity so that was just a massive achievement for me Um, like I said not having finished high school there was never in my mind did I think I'd be you know getting a university degree so that was really special Um, and I mean, I did other bits and bobs. Like I got my real estate license for what reason? I do not know. Like I've <laughs> done, uh, like I've done like criminal psychology course. I've done all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Um, and I'm glad I did because it's given me sort of the foundation. When I retired, it gave me the foundation to be able to go out and, you know, get some jobs and do some things and try and upskill pretty quickly. And yeah, mm. I did some postgraduate work as well, which was great. Um, so yeah, I've done I've done a fair bit. But that education, that's something you advocate for quite strongly now, isn't it? The tertiary education for players. Absolutely, and I think that well, you know, when I decided to really um, commit to studying in 2010, I was at a point where, like, I knew I needed to have something to fall back on because I knew the time was coming, and I I did not like who I was or who I was becoming. Just being like I talked about before, being so insular and being just a basketball player in this basketball world. Like I needed to find something that was more something outside of the sport, which was bigger, you know, and that would give me that sort of fulfillment once I'd retired. So. Mm. That was a big part of it. And then having that when I did retire gave me opportunities that I wouldn't have had, absolutely wouldn't have had but speaks, if I didn't have my degree. For sure. And that speaks to your strength, strength of character that you can recognise that about yourself because you've also been heavily involved in some social justice work. Where, where did that interest stem from? Actually, it started probably um, in 2010, like when I decided to get back into school and do my um, Bachelor of Gender and Diversity. I actually, I read a book over in America about, it was called The Men Who Killed Me. So it was about mm-hmm. the um, victims of the genocide in, in Rwanda, the, the female victims of, yeah, um, the genocide and the sexual violence that they'd sustained. Mm. And I guess the impact all these years later so I got involved um, with New Easy, which was, is an organization that you know empowers these women that are still suffering you know like majorly suffering and yeah so basically got involved with them pretty early on in the piece and I think that's where my interest started but again it was you know opening doors like going back to university and reading and understanding things about life that I had no idea about and so well, it, the thing is, you adapted so so quickly. And do you find that the skills and the mentality required on some level as an elite athlete 
have translated really well into into business and into what you do now? Yeah, I do. I think being an athlete and being in a team sport, I think that you you do learn how to deal with people a lot better than, you know, than not being in a team sport. Like obviously just working with different personalities and I guess it's sort of helped in, in certain situations and scenarios with work. So just around stakeholder engagement. Um, there was definitely a lot of stuff that I had to really learn quickly, just try and upskill in different areas. But I think the, you know, the basic premise of leadership and working with people, um, that, that stuff is, you know, when you're transitioning out of sport, it's, you can't buy it. Like, it's just learnt. It's mm. the leadership stuff that you just learn. Yeah. Did, did you have someone you could look to for guidance? Um, I mean, in sport, it's, it's quite easy. You've got a coach that supports you or you would have started out with, with both your parents very much understanding uh, the space you're in. Uh, what happens when you move into a world that you're completely unfamiliar with? <laughs> well, I was really lucky because Melbourne Boomers um, offered me a job pretty much straight after I retired, straight after it was announced that I was retiring. And my boss at the time, um, Justin Nelson, he he was a good mentor for me. He was because he was sort of no frills. He just got the job done and he was a bit of a jack of all trades, you know, really good. He's over there running New Zealand basketball at the moment. Um the NBL and he he was incredible so you know he was great to have for three years or so just learning off him sort of learning the ropes if I didn't have that experience you know I would never have got my job with Basketball Australia that's for sure but he um, definitely you know worked with me and I guess just tried to help me through it you know and and actually to this day Gerald Rector and Paul Maley um, like Gerald was incredible when she was with BA as CEO she really put a lot of time into trying to get me into personal development um, scenarios just you know just trying to learn a little bit more about you know management and stuff and and Paul Maley my my boss is great so I've, I've just had really good people around me that have been willing to work with me and show me the ropes as well and just yeah it's been fantastic and obviously from their perspective uh, the person you're on the platform you have and the experience you have is a, is a major asset and would be whichever field you decided to be in what i love is you also have made it uh, some, something that is important to you that you give back to the game and uh, i recall seeing you work with some of the younger girls playing and their eyes just light up is that <laughs> something that warms the cockles of your heart <laughs> yeah i mean I do want to give back. The sport's been so good to me. And and like I said before, it's just, I do feel very privileged to have been able to achieve what I have in the sport. So especially here in Australia, I want to give back. I want to be a part of moving it forward and, and trying to drive the sport forward, you know, and that's, yeah, a big part of why I'm with BA at the moment and I'll continue to be. I just, I love it. You know, I'm so passionate about it. So if you had to give some advice to a kid starting out who wants to be the next Lauren Jackson when you reflect on your journey, if you like, and, and how you made your way through and all those amazing experiences, what advice would you give her? I'd just say dream big. You know, I think anything's achievable and anything's possible. You've just got to have the right people around you to sort of enable you to do what you want to do. You know, and I was really lucky. I was one of those kids. You know, my parents never said to me, you can't play professional basketball. <laughs> but they were like, yeah, you can. You can do it. Of course you can. You'll be the first player in the NBA. You know, granted, back then there wasn't a WNBA, and but they truly believed and and gave me every opportunity to dream it and be it. So, you know, I think just dream big and and embrace it. Well, so much 
to look back on in, in the first four decades? What are the next four hold? Oh, I think there's going to be a few dramas with my kids. I think that they're <laughs> going to be little boys. Like they're just, especially my youngest, he's just into everything. So it's just, you know what, it's going to be kids and work, you know, I think. And I'm really good with that. I, I've got no problem with it. Just want to be, you know, close to my parents and, and with my kids and um, with people that I love the most. Lauren Jackson, there aren't enough superlatives. Legend, icon, superstar, and just one of the nicest people. And thank you so much for taking some time to chat to us on Trailblazers. All the very best for everything that lies ahead for you. (laughs) Thank you very much.